Hello, everybody. My people over here, goodness gracious. Uh, we are in this series called Christism versus Atheism, and today we're going to talk about the truth. Uh, and, but before we get to that, um, if you are here and you are willing and ready and able to give, uh, we encourage you and invite you to do that. We're so thankful if you do do that. Uh, you can do that through the PushPay push app, which you can download. If you don't know how to do that, you can check at the information counter that can help you figure that out after the service, okay? So we're talking about truth today. And I think this is such a crucial topic because it, with the access that we have to information, right, through social media, internet, news, we just have so much access to versions of the truth that people are putting out there as people share more and more things. And it feels like the things that our society holds as true are constantly changing more and more than ever before. And I was listening to this podcast recently from Gravity Leadership with a guy named Sky Jatani. And Sky Jatani is an author and a speaker, and he's a, he's a pastor. And I actually went to school with him, real smart guy. And he was sharing about reading recently an author named Galen, who is a German sociologist. And he was reading about how Galen talks about that there are, every society has two types of decisions. One decision is background decisions. Background decisions are, or sorry, I'll say foreground decisions first. Foreground decisions are conscious choices that we make, okay? It's things that we are consciously making decisions about. So, for example, what should I wear is a foreground decision. But societies also have background decisions, and background decisions are decisions that are already made for you because your society has already told you what they think about it. So, for example... Should I wear clothes to the store today is a background decision. Nobody is asking that, I hope, right? Should I wear clothes to the store? That's a background decision. Society is already telling us what, what it thinks about that, and we don't think about that. We're not conscious of it. Well, what can happen is that sometimes, for one reason or another, people will start to question a background decision, and they will push it into the foreground. Hopefully, that won't do that with the closing to the store thing, right? But... But, but think about it, okay? That's what the civil rights movement was all about. As groups began to ask things like, do schools really need to be segregated? And other things like that. That used to be a background thing. They were bringing it into the foreground. Now, here's a couple that have arisen in my lifetime. And Sky actually mentioned both of these as well, Sky Jatani. You know, when I was growing up, I never, ever asked the question, am I a boy or a girl? Never occurred to me. I, I never thought of it. And I don't know of any of my friends that were asking that question either. It was something that society had made that call for us. When the doctor said, it's a boy, that was it, right? Now today, more and more people are asking that. People have brought that out of the background, and that is now a foreground decision for a lot of people in our society. As people say, am, am I a boy or a girl? And I've even actually seen, I hear it among young people talking about it, especially in the younger generation. Also, I've seen it on a few forms that I've filled out lately. I don't know if anybody's filled out a form where it doesn't ask necessarily what, what is your sex, it asks what gender were you assigned at birth, right? And so we're seeing that question brought out of the background and into the foreground. I'll tell you another one that's arisen in my lifetime is the question, what is marriage? This is really more like a decade and two decades ago that this was really in the foreground, so that was brought into the foreground. That wasn't a background decision anymore. Nobody was asking that question when I was in high school or growing up. 
Okay, so some of those beliefs that were pushed to the foreground, and when this happens, when a background belief is pushed to the foreground, some of those things we look at and we go, man, that was a really good thing that that got brought into the foreground. Now, some other things you may look at and go, man, I don't know about that one. I don't know if this is a, should be a foreground decision. It feels like we should agree on this. But the point is that in recent years, it feels like more and more background decisions are being brought into the foreground at an increasingly rapid rate. And we have such access to information that it constantly feels like we're seeing them and, and learning about them, right? And here's why Galen, the author, the German sociologist, says that that matters. The more background decisions that are being brought into the foreground in a particular society at, a, at an increasing rate, okay, the more of those, those decisions get brought into the foreground, the, the more... Let me actually change, I'm going to switch it. The more background decisions stay in the background, okay? The less that we question, the more that we all agree on, the more stable that society is, according to Galen, okay, right? Because the more, the more we agree on, the more beliefs we share. Now, some of those beliefs may be really terrible, right? But if nobody's questioning them, that culture is stable. It may mean limited freedom of choice, right? There may be things that are limited, but, but it feels stable, the more society pushes background decisions into the foreground, the more destabilized that society feels, according to Galen, because there's less that we all share and agree on. And I think that for a lot of people today that I talk to, and how many different background beliefs are being brought into the foreground these days, that you can read about at a moment's notice, whether you feel like they're good or bad, I see a lot of people saying in more words or less, man, things just feel shifty and unstable in our nation. That's what a lot of people, I think, feel. People are saying, man, we used to agree on A, B, and C, and now we don't agree on these things anymore. What else is going to change? What other truth is going to be changed or, or are we going to see differently? Right? And it can create a lot of fear and anxiety and doubt about what's true because we want to stand on something that feels solid. Are you with me? Do you sense this? I don't know. Maybe some of you feel this way. The great thing is Jesus does have something to say about it. And I believe that if Jesus were here, he would say, I want you to have a solid truth to stand on. Okay? I want you to stand on firm footing as far as my truth goes okay, that isn't shifting under our feet. And I believe he would say, I have a pathway. I want to give you a pathway to get there, to standing on footing that feels firm, to his truth. Now, this pathway that he shares, I'm going to share here in a minute, and it's probably going to annoy some of you because what you want is answers, okay? You want me to talk about maybe, like, Ryan, what do you think about the gender thing? I'm not going to answer that. Okay? I'm not going to talk about that this morning. That's not why I brought it up. What I do want to share is the pathway that Jesus offered to discovering the truth that sets us free, as he said. And here it is. This is what Jesus said. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To the Jews who believed him, in other words, to the Jews that thought that what he's saying made some kind of sense and sounded on point, okay? He said this, if you hold to my teaching, holding to his teaching means that we listen to his teaching, that we hear it, 
And then we actually live like it's true. We do something with it. That's what it means to hold to something. It's not just that I heard it and know it. It's that I actually put it into practice. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. This tells us what a disciple is. If you want to know, you you hear this word probably around church sometimes, his disciples. Am I a disciple, right? What's discipleship? If you want to know if you're a disciple, you can just ask yourself the question. Do I listen to what Jesus says and put it into practice? If you do that, even if you're on the very front end of your journey, you're just starting out, okay? If you're listening to him and doing what he says, then you are a disciple of Jesus. You are becoming a learner. That's what that word means, a learner. So if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know this truth and the, tr- the truth that sets you free. Okay? Now, let's look at this for a second. Does anybody feel like this is backwards? Does this look backwards to anybody? I think our normal approach to things, we would say this. Well, I want to know the truth that sets me free, and then I'll figure out if I'm going to hold to that teaching, that I'm going to do what it says right? It feels backwards. And that really is how we approach things in our culture, right? So we read, we watch videos, we listen to podcasts, we, we talk about stuff. We're great at talking about stuff. We debate with people to try to convince them because we're trying to get ourselves and others to the truth that sets us and them free. And I am not knocking any of that. I think that all of the information we have access to, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a great thing. I listen to podcasts, I read, like all those things are good. I'm not trying to knock any of that. But Jesus does give us a different priority, a different pathway to getting to his truth that sets us free. He says, you're not going to stand in my truth that sets you free if you're just taking in a bunch of content. You're not. You can know everything but not know the truth that sets you free. Because in my kingdom, you don't really know something unless you're walking in it. If you want to discover my truth, I believe Jesus would say, the truth that sets you free, it means listening to what I say and to what my word says and then choosing to do something about it, to put it into practice, okay? And this is actually, if you think about it, this was how it worked with the disciples, okay? Jesus did not explain everything to the disciples on the front end, to his followers. In fact, it was probably, I don't, I don't know how far into, it was months, maybe even a year or more, into his relationship with them that, that he began to explain to them that he was going to die and then rise again. Now, his death and resurrection, his death on our behalf to pay for our mistakes and his resurrection from the dead conquering death to give life to all who would believe in him and place their faith in him that is the core of what we believe that is the core of christianity the resurrection didn't happen we have nothing okay that is the core of what we believe and yet his disciples didn't even know it until way later in fact not only did they not know it when jesus started to finally bring it up to them they didn't get it they were confused they're like what are you talking about jesus in fact Peter was angry when Jesus said he was going to get killed. He's like, don't talk that way. He, he rebuked Jesus because he was talking like that. And Jesus had to rebuke him back. It was great, okay? But, but here's the thing. Jesus still, even though they didn't know that stuff yet, he still called them his disciples. Why? Because they were listening to what he said and then turning around and putting those things into practice. 
And as they did that, over time, they came to know the truth that set them free. We don't get to know Jesus' truth by simply becoming familiar with a set of data. We get to know the truth that sets us free by walking alongside a person, Jesus, who said, I am the truth. And we do that by listening to him and obeying. That's a scary word, right? I, uh, I love reading about these amazing Jesus movements that are happening in other parts of the world. Uh, sometimes I think that we can feel like in America, like the church is losing, like it's losing ground, like Christianity is starting to fall to the, to the wayside, right? But in the global south, which is what some call the regions that we used to think we need to send missionaries to those places, like Africa and China and India and Iraq, those were kind of like mission fields where we would send people. In those places, they're seeing massive explosions of, of the gospel and people coming to Christ in those regions. And I love reading about that. It's so encouraging. Well, Chris Galanos, who's a, a missional leader, and he's a pastor and author, says that he asked, he's asked numerous ones of his friends that are a part of those movements overseas, what's the difference between your churches and our churches? Your churches seem to be exploding and thriving. Our churches seem, are struggling a bit. What's the difference? And he said he's heard multiple times the response they give is, you guys focus on knowledge, we focus on obedience. And isn't that true, right? How do we decide when to move on to the next topic in a sermon series or a Bible study or whatever? How do we decide? Well, when we've covered the information, right? Sometimes we don't even know it. We just know, oh, everybody heard it, right? We've all read it, so time to move on to the next topic. Do you know how they decide when to move on to the next topic in some of these other movements that are happening around the world? They move on to the next topic once everybody has obeyed it, when they've done what it says. Can you imagine if we did that here? <laughs> Charlie gets up here the next week, and he's say, he preaches the exact same sermon that he did the week before, and you're like, Charlie, we, we already heard this. Like, why are you preaching it again? And he's like, well, because you guys all haven't obeyed it yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would, be, that would be something. It would feel so foreign and weird, and people would be like, I'm not coming back to this. But that is, it's just so foreign to us because we love our information, and we have such access to such an enormous amount. But here's the question. How much more do we need? How much more content do we actually need? What if... We took this little challenge to reduce the amount of content we took in and focus more on obeying the stuff that we already have. I believe, Jesus would say, we would come to know and will come to know the truth that sets us free. Firm footing. Now you may say, Ryan, that's great for someone who's in church and who already believes in Jesus. But I see this whole culture going in a different direction. You know, what about them? What about my son? who I used to think he believed, but now he's going in a different direction. What about my uncle or my friend? Who I, want to, I want them to know the truth that sets them free. Am I supposed to tell them that the way to figure out this, what is true is to read and obey scripture? Call me crazy. But yes, I think that can work. Now, there are some things we may need to do, and we do need to do ahead of time, okay? Like being kind to people. And praying like crazy for people and praying for our city. 
and sharing what God has done in our lives where that's appropriate. Those are all things that Jesus has told us to do, right? And you will encounter who are people who are not open to Jesus right now, and I am not suggesting, it's not going to work for them right now. I'm not suggesting that you would force that. Like, read this, read this, read, that's not going to help anybody. And I'm, and I'm not saying that, okay? But where you do find someone who is open is it possible that we could ask them, hey, do you want to discover a bit more about who God is from Scripture and like try it out? I think we can. I believe it can work. Not only because Jesus said it, but because it is working. It is working. I mentioned these amazing Jesus movements that are happening in different parts of the world. This is their approach. I want to share this. There was a story I read recently uh, by a guy named David Walton. This is his story um, where I was particularly impacted by David, or David, not David Walton, David Watson. David Watson was a missionary to India, and he was trying to reach this people group of about 80 million people in northern India with the message of Christ. He wanted them to come to know Jesus and hear his message. And at the time, that region had been nicknamed the Graveyard of Missions and Missionaries. There were a 1,000 Christ followers out of 80 million. I don't know what percentage that is. It's really small, okay? 1,000 in the entire region that followed Christ out of 80 million people. And David Watson and others, like anytime people would go in there to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with the people there, a lot of times they would get killed and that was it. And that was what David Watson was running into. Now, David Watson wasn't allowed into that area because he was an American, but he, would raise, he was trying to raise up other Indians to send into that region to share their faith. And when they did, they kept getting killed. He had sent all, these are his friends that he's sending into these places and they kept getting killed. And it was breaking his heart. And he was finally like, God, I can't do this anymore. I know they need the good news. But I can't keep raising up my friends and sending them to go die. He's like, give me something else to do. Like, I'll, I'll go home and send money. I can do that, Right. But he felt like God said, no, I, I have something for you here. And so as he prayed about it, went back to the drawing board, he felt like God gave him a new way of trying this, uh, of bringing that message of the gospel. And so what he did was he, he would train his missionaries to simply help a group of people discover them, for themselves who God was through reading a scripture passage and then inviting them to try it out and say, okay, if this is from God, how will I try to live differently this week? And then he'd give, if a family or a group was open to that, he'd give a family or a group of friends a list of scriptures. And, and he would teach his missionaries to coach them on how to do this. But he'd give them a list of passages that started with creation and went to Christ. And if they were open, they'd begin working through it with their friends and family. And this was, here's the thing, this was not just with de-church skeptics. It wasn't people that had kind of known about Jesus once and walked away. This is with people that had never heard the name of Jesus. Even people of other faiths that he was saying, look, I, th I think Jesus wants to invite you to know him. Okay? They'd never heard. And you think, man, that sounds crazy. How's that going to work? And yet what he found was that as a group would do this together, they'd often get halfway through that list of scriptures, of passages, and they'd go, I'm in. I want to follow Jesus and be baptized. And their whole household would be baptized, and then they'd share with their friends. And over the course of about a decade, maybe a decade and a half, the number of Christ followers in that region went from 1,000 to 2 million. 
That's crazy. That's crazy. As they listened and obeyed, they came to know the truth that set them free. They began to stand on that truth, on solid ground. Isn't that crazy? Now you may say, Ryan, yeah, but that's in India, <laughs> right? Well, I submit to you that it can work here too. I've seen it. I want to share you one other story. It's about my friend Christina. A few years ago, I started leading a group uh, at a business near here called Side Effects. It used to be called Side Effects. Now it's called Power Ad. It's led by Bob and Jen Westerfield. And I, let, I started leading a huddle at Side, of, at side of what was then Side Effects. And usually I don't do sign-ups for huddle. I just invite people in that as, as I feel like I, I want to invite them in. But because it was in a business, we kind of did the sign-up thing. And so a number of people signed up to be a part of that huddle, and one of them was Christina. And the interesting thing about Christina signing up is that Christina was an atheist at the time. But what happened was Christina uh, got pregnant, and she and her she and her husband were expecting a child, and she was totally comfortable in her atheism until she got pregnant. And then she began to become very unsettled because she couldn't, she couldn't reconcile the thought of her child growing up in the meaninglessness of a world where there's no God. And we'll get to more on that later in the series, but it was just very interesting how she came. And so she said, I want to sign up for this huddle because I want to check out this God and, and see well, what we do in huddle, the questions that we return to week in and week out is, what is God saying and what am I going to do about it? Notice, that's what it means to hold to his teaching, right? It's listen and obey, listen and do. Those are the questions we return to over and over, over again. And Christina was like, okay, I'll do this. Now, Christina knew almost nothing and she didn't believe in Jesus, but she started doing this. She started putting it into practice. She said, okay, Jesus said that, okay, I'll try it. And she'd go do it. She did that over time. And it was so funny to me. I look back and I'm like, this is so funny. I actually had a couple other people in the huddle that would come to me like in private and be like, dude, Christina's passing us up. She's more passionate about Jesus right now than me. It was nuts. It was so funny. And I remember it was, I remember sitting in the room where we usually do that group. Uh, and Christina was in there this one day. And it was almost like a passing thought. She goes, oh, hey, Ryan, I just wanted to tell you uh, that a couple of weeks ago, uh, I decided I'm in, I believe. Just thought you should know. You know, like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, it was so fun. Like, I was like, this is so cool. If you hold to my teaching, you are my disciple. Christina was doing the disciple thing before she decided about Jesus, before she'd made that decision. She was already living a disciple. If she did that, she came to know the truth that set her free. Jesus was telling the truth when he said this. And I know that for my group that we meet on Sundays, we're calling it a discovery group, this is what we're trying to live right now. When we meet, we're going through scripture, and we just ask each other a list of several questions, very simple, that help us hear and obey. It's very similar to the questions that David Watson gave his missionaries as they were going into these areas and inviting people to check out scripture. Would you like to see the questions? Here they are, okay? These are the questions we ask each time we meet. Number one, what are you thankful for? Why do we ask this? Because it, it helps get us in the habit of praising and thanking God for the things in our lives, which he told us to do. 
Two, what's stressing you out this week? This helps us know how we can pray for each other. Three, who can we help and how can we help them? Why do we do this? Because Jesus said, love your neighbor. And I am amazed at how many groups that I have been a part of and led where this wasn't a part of it. We didn't ask this. Four, what was the story or the scripture from last week and did we obey it? Did we do what it said? We'll get to how we get into that scripture in a minute, but the idea here is the accountability. Are we stepping out into the things we feel like God is saying to us? And then we hit this. This is number five. This is when we address the scripture. We'll take a scripture passage and we'll read it once through together as a group, out loud. Then someone else will read it out loud again. And then the third time we'll put our Bibles down and we'll try to retell that passage as best as we can as a group. Why do we do this? Because Jesus said, listen, right? He said, listen and do. And this is how we listen. We allow it to get in us. We allow it to permeate in us so that we're really taking it in. And then we simply ask these four questions. What do we discover about God from this passage? What do we discover about people? And then the crux, if this is really from God, how will I live differently this week? That's the hold to part. Are we going to hold to his teaching? And then the fourth thing is, with whom will I share what I learned? Why? Because we might be able to share with somebody else who needs it, and they may become interested. Who will I share what I learned? And that's it. And it's been awesome so far, because we're, all we're trying to do is hold to his teaching. And as we do that, we are getting to know the truth that sets us free. And I want to challenge you or invite you to try a portion of this on your own this week. This is just a takeaway challenge. You can choose to do this if you want. Maybe you do it by yourself, or maybe you do it with one other person, or maybe with a few other people, okay? But this question five, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Pick a passage of scripture. If you're not sure which one, this is just a random passage I picked out. It's pretty simple if you want. Mark 12, 41 to 44. You could do that one, or you could do something else. This is a really short passage to do this with. Read it. Read it again, and then retell it. That'll be a real interesting conversation if you're doing it by yourself. <laughs> what are you doing, honey? I'm retelling the passage of Scripture to myself. Oh, okay. Read, read, retell it, and then ask those four questions. What do we discover about God from this passage? What do we discover about people? A couple simple things. If this is really from God, how will I live differently this week? And what I would encourage you to do with this question is pick something specific. In other words, asking or, 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 the, or saying, I'm going to write a letter to this person this week to encourage them is more specific than I'm going to be more encouraging this week, right? So I'd encourage you to do something more specific. And then with whom will I share what I learned? Just give it a shot. It's a simple step. But I truly believe that if we will focus on holding to Jesus' teaching, we will build our foundation on the foundation of Jesus and his word. And the footing won't feel so shifty because we're building on the rock and the truth will set us free. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are our rock. I thank you that you offer us firm footing to stand on. Help us, Lord, to learn, to listen, and respond to what you're saying.
You are good. You are the rock. Help us know you more. In Jesus' name, amen.